What's going on, guys? Welcome to another edition of JKB Sports Podcast with your host, Jerome Knight. And it's winter time. It's mad cold outside, so it's time to get the long johns on. I've been wearing long johns all week, yo. It's cold. Mad cold outside. Long johns and like three, three layers. Wife beater, t-shirt, hoodie. Long johns, sweatpants, long jeans. No, the ripped jeans are retired now. Now when I see people wearing ripped jeans, I'm like, yo, you're crazy. That time of the season is done. Now it's sweatpants. Girls, put your tights on. Not the cheap tights, the good tights that the breeze don't go right through. <laughs> the warm tights. Man, fellas, put your toques on. It's almost time for the dog ear hats. You know, those are the real winter hats, the dog ear hats. It's almost time for that. Um, but this is the best time of year. You know, winter's here. It's time to, you know, it's time to stay inside and watch some ball. Disney's up and running. The Disney thing is lit. I don't know if you guys have um, Disney Plus. Shout out to my man Jared, though, because Jared's a real, the real plug. Jared hooked me up with Disney Plus. So um, I'll be watching Simpsons. I didn't really dive too much into Disney Plus yet. Simply because I just don't have the time. And honestly, I don't really plan to sit there at home and watch a bunch of Disney movies. Who am I fooling? So I'm not really going to sit here and lie to you guys. Like, oh, my God, Disney Plus. But I am going to. There's a few things. If you're, if you're a Marvel fan, then Disney Plus is a thing for you. If you like Star Wars, it's littered with Star Wars. Um, has those old shows. I got to go through it properly because my boys are happy. My boys are going through it. Even Stevens, my boys told me he's going to watch. But Disney Plus is, seems to be a wave right now. Hold on. But I think it's about that time for me to come out of the closet and admit that I am proud of the Raptors. The Raptors look damn good. <laughs> you know, being a state fan, even when we were bad, it was fun because we always put a, a a fun product on the court. You know, the way we played, the way we were loose with the ball, you know, when we had fun possessions. Ba Golden State basketball, that's the thing that people don't really understand is that Golden State was always a fun team to watch, and that's why I was such a fan. I wasn't... I'm not a bandwagoner just to jump on when we started winning titles. I watched Golden State when they were not the greatest team because they were a good, a fun team to watch. The style of basketball that Golden State plays now, we played it before. We just have better players in the system. But, um, yeah, but as, as I was saying, the, the crazy thing about being a Golden State fan and being in Toronto is that it didn't matter up until Toronto made the finals. You know, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, Nobody got got at me the way they did until the Raptors made the finals. So, and at that point, how can I switch over and just defend and just hop to the Raptors after I've been going so hard for state for so many years? You know, so, but I've low-key always watched the Raptors. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm here. You know, you, you can't not watch the Raptors being here. Um, but seeing the way they're playing, after, you know, winning the title was something that was really, 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 really dope. Um, 
the way they played, you know, the way they're playing, I can't say the way they played, the way they're playing now is it's inspiring basketball because, you know, everybody wrote them off. When Siakam got his max contract, um, it was like, is he going to be worth it? Is, you know, he got four, I believe it's, I got to double check the actual statistics, but four to five years, 150 mil around there he got for the max. So he got his money. So it was always just like, okay, let's see if he can take the next step and lead the Raptors. I, I didn't think he had a consistent jump shot. Um, he has a jump shot. I just didn't think it was consistent. I know he has his go-to spin move, but for me, watching the finals last year and watching the way Pascal played, um, it was kind of cool just because um, I, my phone's dying. So either I'm going to have to get off live soon or I'm going to have to put you guys sideways. But, um, hold on. I'm going to have to put you guys sideways because I can't have my phone. I have a long, I got a long day. I, after, after I record this podcast, I got to go and do play-by-play for Seneca men's basketball. And even that, I want to talk to you guys about that too because that's a cool experience that I'm currently doing right now. Another opportunity that I'm, I'm going to tell you guys about uh, a bit later on, but... Yeah, um, yeah. Back to what I was saying. The way that Pascal was playing again the finals when I was watching, he had a possession, and this is what in game in game five when KD came back and it was three one, and KD came back and um, there's a possession where Pascal drove, and he drove right at KD. And he tried to do a spin move, and KD completely locked, completely shut him down. And w- when I saw that, I'm like, okay, cool. Well, a, now I know that Raptors are probably going to win the series, and there's really no doubt in my mind. Um, B, was that Pascal still has a long way to go in f- to being a clear number two player on the team behind Kawhi. You always kind of knew Kawhi was going to leave, and I honestly think just the way, just watching the Raptors play now, you kind of, I, I feel like you had to have a sense that you kind of knew Kawhi was going to leave because the way Van Fleet looks and the way he worked on his game over the summer, like Van Fleet handle is super, super tight. The way he can create his own shots, get open, off the dribble, get to the basket. He looks like he's doing everything with ease now. Not that he couldn't do it or was doing it before, but not to this level with this type of efficiency, Right. And, you know, just the rest of the team looked like OG. And OG was somebody that I've always been a fan of. Even when the Raptors drafted him, I was like, okay, cool. Um, he's somebody that can come in. He's 6'7", 220 around there. He's a bigger body type of guy. He can come in and, and cause trouble on the defensive side. And whatever offense he gives you is like a bonus. And then when Raptors got Kawhi, I was like, that might be the best the best thing for OG because he has somebody that came in with a similar type of mold where Kawhi... Because nobody knew Kawhi, when Kawhi got drafted, nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw Kawhi coming in and averaging 20-plus points a game, offensively being having a, the mid-range shot that he does, the three-point shot that he does. Nobody saw that. When he went to the Spurs... 
obviously they have an amazing system over in San Antonio. Greg Popovich is one of the greatest coaches in sports, period. Not just basketball, but Greg Popovich is one of the best coaches, period. And the Spurs organization is just one of those top-tier, high-class organizations of all the sports also. They're right up there with New England Patriots, who whether you're a sports fan or not, you just know about the New England Patriots. You know whether or not you're a basketball fan. You know about the Boston Celtics, the Los Angeles Lakers. The San Antonio Spurs are not as popular in terms of, like, fandomonium, but in terms of success, the Spurs are right up there, if not, like, maybe you can... No, okay, I'm lying. They're not past the Lakers because Lakers had, you know, a nasty run. But the Spurs are right there, and Popovich is right there. But nobody saw this from out of Kawhi. So when the Raptors got Kawhi, I was like, this might be the best teacher for OG. OG can really learn and pick up from somebody who was in the almost the same exact position as him. And I think that even watching OG this season, you know, he obviously just got hurt. I think he'll be back. I think they play on Saturday. He'll be back for that game. Um, he was practicing. He looked good. They, um, reports say that he was look bouncy and looked spry at practice. So uh, OG won't be out for much longer. He's probably going to play in the game on Saturday. But that was probably the best thing for him, in my opinion, because he got to learn from somebody that, like I said, was almost the same mold as him. So I think when Kawhi left, it opened a door of, okay, this is a this is the opportunity for us to have been in the spotlight that Toronto or Canada, the basketball scene has been craving. And no, nobody can sit here and, and yes, Raptors fans will always say, yes, we're going to win the title, we're going to win the title. But nobody had saw that coming. Nobody's seen that coming. So the fact that they got there, they had a taste of it, that type of experience in that type of atmosphere, you can't forget that. You can't go away from that. That's just something that's, you know, like that's something that you, you've experienced and you you have that thirst for improvement, that thirst to get back to that spot because success is sweet. Everybody likes a winner. That's it. Everybody likes a winner. So, you know, it's good to see the way that the whole team has stepped up despite the injuries to Ibaka, despite the injury to Lowry. Um, the Raptors haven't seemed to skip a beat. They lost to the Clippers, but they just look tired. And, like, that's me. I'm watching it, and they just look tired. They had They were close in the fourth quarter, and they started shooting just shots that you can tell were just, okay, like, they have no legs. They were getting to the rim, missing layups. Um, open shots were just short, and that's just legs. When you miss short, that's legs. So, you know, they're off to a hot start. Um, you have people that are saying, and why can't Pascal, last year Pascal won most improved player of the year. He is upping his scoring average by a lot this year from last year where he won most improved. So a lot of people are saying, why can't he win it again? Depending on where the Raptors finish in the East, there might be even a chance for Pascal to possibly get it, be getting MVP votes. Because I think that at this point in the season, there's, there's enough of a sample size to understand the fact that Pascal is a clear-cut Clear-cut number one option on the Raptors. When Lowry's healthy, when the team is fully healthy, 
Van, um, sorry, not Van Fleet. Pascal is still the number one option on that team. And I think even behind him, again, when they're fully healthy, it's still not Lowry. I think you go, the pecking order would be Pascal and then Van Fleet. And then you can even say, okay, then you can go Lowry because Lowry's a point guard. But I would much rather be you play through your wings. So you have Pascal, you have Van Fleet, and OG. And let Lowry just kind of navigate the offense and get his points where he's at because we've seen his scoring go down. This year, obviously, they're decimated, and Lowry's shooting his shot. He's leading the league in minutes. So when you play, you're going to get volume opportunity. But that doesn't always necessarily mean that you play and you shoot the hell out of the ball. You know, you can, like like what we're seeing with L.A. and LeBron. LeBron decided to just lead the league in assists. LeBron is leading the league in assists after averaging 27 points per game, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, almost essentially for his career. And he was like, I'm at the point where I'm going to let Anthony Davis run the team and I'm going to go down to being the facilitator. So now you see LeBron just navigating the offense and getting his point. His points is going down from, mind you, it's, it's still LeBron James and LeBron can turn it up when he so ever chooses to. No doubt about it. But you watch the Lakers game and you can see him scale it back. You can see him like just finding the flow of the offense. And I think that's what would be a good option for the Raptors and Lowry. If Lowry can take a step back, I think when he gets when he gets back, depending on the record, and I don't see my I have to go look at the at the Raptors schedule. My laptop is not connecting to the internet right now, so I'm gonna have to use the computer. But the way that the Raptors are playing right now, the East was always, a, for me, it was a two-team race. And this is all, see, when KD comes back to Brooklyn next year, because he won't be back this year. KD has come out and said, you know, there's no, there's no real talks of him coming back. It takes a full year to heal a torn Achilles. So, we don't expect to see KD back this year. KD doesn't expect himself to be back this year. And, you know, as a basketball fan, you don't want to see someone come back from injury like that, of that magnitude, early. Kevin Durant is one of the best players ever to play the game of basketball. And it's actually kind of hard. It's not hard to watch basketball. But you miss certain players, like, Yes, everybody's happy that Golden State's dynasty is over. And not over, it's on a brief pause because of injury. And people need to realize that. That's a PSA. Golden State's dynasty is not over. It's on a brief standby because of injury. And again, I'm going to deep dive into, you know, how I feel about the narrative that the Raptors ended the Golden State dynasty. That's blasphemous. Because, you know, it was injury. Kevin Durant towards Achilles, Clay Thompson towards ACL. Steph Curry now has a broken broken hand, and he's going to be out for like four months. And Draymond's playing with torn ligaments in his finger. 
we have nine players, and people don't realize this, we have nine players that are under 23, and they expect us to continue to play at a championship level with rookies and, and, and people that are just are not on that level of, of skill. Come on. You guys know better than that. So the narrative that our our window is done, that we're just going to be some garbage team, to me, I laugh at it because, like I said, we have Steph Curry that's out, and we've been winning championship for the three out of five years. We've been to the finals five straight years. We've been going deep into the playoffs for maybe six. So it's almost like, like people say LeBron didn't make the playoffs last year, and he got the most rest since his rookie year. So why can't it be the same for us? Steph Curry has a broken hand. He's going to be out for months. The re- he can use the rest. And the way and how fast we Golden State played and how you know the ball movement and the the ball movement and the constant movement it's it's taxing. It's exhausting. Playing that way where especially when teams are coming at you playing their best brand of basketball against you. If you watch, and I, I know a lot of you guys didn't because everybody's most of my followers are in Toronto. So I know a lot of you guys didn't watch Golden State games. But watching Golden State games, a lot of teams came and gave us their best efforts. You know, now you kind of watch basketball, it's it's kind of lax. It's, it's kind of like, it's just really just run and gun type of basketball. Basketball right now in today's day, it's just run and gun, run and gun, run and gun. Who can shoot the most shots? Usually, teams that can hit, obviously, you, the more baskets you win. But the way that teams are playing now, it's not about how you get the basket. It's just how much baskets you get. Miss, make or miss. You just want to get as much shots off as, as possible. And that's what basketball is now. Right? But the way that we were playing is taxing. So the fact that Clay Thompson can get a rest, Steph Curry can get a rest, and I'm going to get into Draymond. Yes, Draymond, you want to see him step up. <coughs> Excuse me. You want to see him step up in the situation when obviously players are down and players are just not there. But at the end of the day, Draymond is not a player who's going to come and give you 20 points a game. He was never that type of player. So even the fact that people are out here saying, oh, Draymond, Draymond is supposed to be an all-star why can't Draymond carry the team? Because that's never been his role. Going back to college and him playing college, that was never his role. His role was never to be a scorer. His role is to play defense. And and now it was to create. But it's a lot different from when you're creating for Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant and other players that understood the game of basketball than setting plays up for Jordan Poole, Glenn Robinson, Kai Bowman. Like, it's 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 a, you know, it's a difference. Um, a lot of people are talking about Steve Kerr and his coaching ability. Give us some time, people. Just trust me. This year is going to be rough. We accept it. I accept it. This year is going to be rough. But the sun will shine tomorrow. So if you're one of my Golden State fans and you're listening, 
The sun will shine tomorrow, okay? Steph will be back. Clay will be back. Draymond will be back. We're going to get a top pick. And this is where a lot of people say, oh, Golden State's tanking. Steph has a broken hand, but he's out for longer than he should be. None of that matters. Don't worry about how long he's out for. Steph Curry, you come back when you're ready. When you're 100% ready and when you're 100% rested up, you come back. Don't let don't let the same narrative that got KD hurt. Are you going to come back early? What's the injury? How long is the timeline of recovery? Blah, 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 this, that, and the third. Don't worry about that. We have Kawhi Leonard resting every other night. Kawhi Leonard doesn't even play back-to-backs. Okay? And that's another thing that I'm going to get into also. There's a few, like I said, I want to talk about the Raptors today. I wanted to talk about, um, well, the Raptors and their success. I'm going to get back into that a bit later. Um, the signing of Carmelo Anthony, because that was something that you felt like was kind of long overdue. And I want to address the Golden State people because a lot of people were obviously really just hating. That was a few things I wanted to address. But I'm going to switch gears and talk about load management and the importance of resting and and the pros and cons. Because as as a human being, you understand that you need rest. Doing anything, doing a job at a high level, and this is where the humane side comes in. And the fact that we're human and that we do get tired. We do have nagging pains. None of us regular civilians know how much how taxing it really is to have to get up every day. And I love basketball. I can play basketball. Let me rephrase that. I love basketball, and I can't get up and play basketball every day. I can't imagine how exhausting it is to have to get up, pack a suitcase, and fly to this place. Or sleep in a hotel, wake up 6 a.m., fly to this place. You eat. And you're not eating cooked food. You're eating junk food. Or you're eating hotel food. Right? Because you're not getting home-cooked meals when you're on the road. So you're eating most likely junk. Right? Then you got to go to shoot-around. You got to go to here for interviews. Let's say you're one of the better. Let's just say, let's Kawhi, because Kawhi is the best example to le- to talk about when it comes to load management. Right? So, Kawhi, I'm pretty. He has endorsement deals. Everybody knows he's with New Balance. He's in commercials. So let's just let's just let's just let me take you guys into a day, and, and I don't really know how it is. This is just me talking off speculation of what I assume it would be like. Right? So, let's say you get up at 8 a.m. You gotta do. You gotta go do an interview, right? Interview lasts two hours, ten o'clock. Then you gotta go to practice. Let's say you have practice. You have practice for two hours. I say practice goes for two hours. Twelve o'clock. Then you gotta go to maybe to do charity work, or you gotta go to shoot shoot a commercial, or do something, 
right? And then in about, maybe that takes around three, four hours. Let's say three hours, right? So now you're at like three o'clock. Then you have a game at seven. So now you got to quickly flip the script and get into game mode. You got to eat. And what are you eating? Right? Probably at that point, the closest thing to you. What's, what's, and like, I don't, Kawhi's not going to be the type of player to go walk into a, a Chick fil A or to walk into a burger joint and try to get a burger. You are getting good food. But how good can that food really be when you're eating it? Everything you're doing is on the move, on the go. You play, game goes for maybe three. The whole, that whole game process is not just you go and you get dressed and you play, right? You got to be there maybe three hours before the game. And if you're a star player of Kawhi's magnitude, more likely you're not. You're there early so you can get your shots up, you know, get 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 treatment, if you're getting your massage or whatever you're doing, you get taped up, you get wrapped up. Then you got to go um, interview before games. It's so mentally taxing on your body. And just being how I'm busy in my, and I'm every, everybody's busy in their personal lives. Everybody has something to do. Whether they do it, to the full extent of how they know they can do it or not, everybody has something to do, right? So in order to continue to do things at a high level, you want to have, as you know, they get eight hours. How much people really get eight hours of sleep? I think it's, what, six or seven hours of sleep that you need, but how much people get a, a good night's rest? So imagine not getting a good night's rest for maybe two weeks and having to play basketball. At the highest of levels. And the minute you don't or you, you you slip, all media outlets, all the fans are coming for your head. Imagine that. You go imagine that you're working every day for two weeks, right? Every day you're working for two weeks. You're working as hard as you can. You're working as hard as you can given the situation that you're in. Cause I'm pretty sure, like I said, everybody can do better than what they're doing. Right. That's just uh, what I think. Everybody's I don't think everybody's maxing out their potential. So everybody could be doing a bit more uh, working a little bit harder. Right. So imagine you're just you're just it's it's Thursday. You know, most let's say you let's say you work at nine to five and the work week's done on Friday and it's it's Thursday. It's Thursday, three o'clock and your manager goes. I need you to do this, this and that. And you're just like, dang, I can't do no more. And the minute you use, I can't do no more. It's like, what? You can't do no more? We're paying you blah, blah, X amount of money to do this, that, and the third. How much effort are you going to put into that task? Right? That's what you got to think. How much effort are you going to put into that task? So when we have these professional athletes who put that and le- if you play sports you understand how hard basketball really is to be played at, at that level okay for those people who just who just watch i don't think you understand how hard it is to get to that skill level that they're playing at okay those guys are amazing 
the worst the the worst basketball player is probably better than everybody you know. The worst the worst player okay. As bad as Golden State is right now and everybody oh Golden State's bad, Golden State sucks, the dynasty's done. I bet you can't guard their worst player. <laughs> That's the funny thing. The worst player on Golden State can probably beat you down in, in some hoops, right? So when you're playing at that level, at Kawhi's level, where you're expected to guard the best guys every night, and you're expected to play offense at a high level, you're expected to get buckets at a high level, you're expected to do everything at like a almost an unbelievable level, night in and night out. And not only do you have that, you have your own personal life that I didn't even take into account. I didn't even include that in the mix. Notice, I didn't include personal life. I included um, endorsement deals and, and, and commercials and charity events and things that you have to do to keep a, 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 your public image up. So add your own personal stresses where you have, you know, every day somebody's talking negative about you. Every day... You're hearing this, you're hearing that, all these rumors, all these outside distractions into your personal life. It's exhausting. And that's the humane side of me that, that looks at athlete like, you know what? I'm against resting because of the revenue of it and the fact that because I'm a fan, I want to see the best players perform. That's why I watch. I watch to see the best. Right? So as a fan, it sucks. To know that I'm watching Clippers game and Kawhi's not playing. You know, I'm watching. Uh, LeBron doesn't really rest, and LeBron's never really been a rester in his career. But I'm watching a game and LeBron's not playing. It's like, okay, obviously I'm still gonna watch just to watch. But like, it doesn't have that same type of feel to it, and that's undeniable. So as a fan, you get, oh my gosh, they're resting again. I play basketball, I play NBA fantasy. And I have Kawhi on my team. Kawhi doesn't play back-to-backs. And I've come to the realization where it's just like, you know what? Okay, Kawhi's just not going to play back-to-backs. That's just, that's just him. I'm cool with it. I understand it. If you know you can't put your body through, thir- uh, through a certain amount of, of, you know, your tolerance is just not there, you're not going to put yourself in a position to fail. So I think that's how people start looking at it. It's just kind of like, are you going to really put yourself in a position where you know that you're not going to be able to be as successful as you want to be or as as we want you to be? Because we expect Kawhi to be great. We, don't, we, we really don't expect anything but greatness from Kawhi. So in his mind, it could be like, Okay, these people expect this from me, and I can't give them what they want. So I'm not going to sell them short. I think that is, you know, another way to look at it where it's not so negative. And that's, and that's me playing both sides because I, si- I see both sides. As a human being, you have to see both sides. There's a whole conversation where there's, there's money involved and there's TV deals and these TV deals um, are worth billions of dollars to have basketball shown on their networks. So obviously, it's also a money thing where it's like, you know, contractually, 
you are supposed to give us this type of product and they're not getting it. So on the financial side of resting, you have to wonder, you know, where, what's next? You know, because the contract signed, the deal's done, so you can't go back. But you have to think about for the future, how is this going to affect TV deals going forward? You always got to think, you can't just think about right now. You got to think about tomorrow. You got to think about the next, you know, what's going on next. And that's something that I think is going to be addressed in terms of load management. And that's just a Kawhi example. I don't agree with young players resting. You know, John Morant, John Morant's a rookie, about 20 years old. I think he's, I think he's 19, to be honest. But you have young players resting now because, and this is something where I, I just can't see. Because you're young, you're, you're still human. You're young, you're still human. But you're young, you're energetic. You know, this is all new to you. Soak it up, soak it in, play as much as you can. And now this whole, the load management thing, is it should be, you know, it, it's trickled down to not just the superstars that are playing long seasons and, you know, for, for five, six, seven plus years, like LeBron, Kawhi, Steph, you know, the big name guys who, who are claimed to be, you know, resting or load managing and taking time off, where you have these young guys who've been in the league maybe for two months or two years, three years, getting rest. It's kind of like you haven't put in the work like LeBron has, like Damian Lillard has, like Paul George has, like Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook is a is a perfect example because he's the guy who goes 100 miles per hour all day, every day. That That's Russell. You watch Russell Westbrook, his veins are popping out of his neck popping out of his head because he goes just that hard and you don't see Russ resting because that's just not him because he's willing to put his body on the line every night and you have to give people like that credit right but these young guys who are playing I don't see how they can get away with resting just because they haven't put the work in so if I'm Adam Silver and I'm faced with this issue I'm the commissioner of the NBA and I have to make a choice of Okay, we can't we can't stop the rest. Okay, people are gonna rest because they have to, or people are gonna say that they're injured, and you can't you can't come at somebody for faking an injury. You know, the injury report is the injury report. That's just what it is. But if I was the commissioner of the NBA, what I would try to do is okay. So they implemented something where they have the super max contract. They have a max con max contract. They have the super max contract where you can get X amount of more money if you have a certain type of longevity in the league or you have a certain type of longevity with a, with a one team. You know, and there's certain, there's certain stipulations to the, the Supermax contract. So I think if you can't stop the resting, add a stipulation to it. You can, you can add a stipulation where it's like, okay, you know, you're entitled to maybe... It's like work. You have sick days. You, you can't take a sick day before you pass your probation period. You can't take time off 
but you're not past your probation period. You're gonna get fired. Didn't think you're not serious about the job. We can replace you with somebody who wants to be here and something that we can rely on to be here. So why not take that same approach with MBA, right? You can take that same approach. You can say, okay, if you're five years into the league and if you've played X amount of, maybe not five years exactly, but you can say if you've played X amount of games, you're entitled to X amount of days off. But they can't be primetime games where it's on a national scale because there's there's national TV games where it's on like for the whole world to watch and it's local where it's just like that's a local team. So like Raptors might have a game for TSN and because we're in Toronto obviously that's our main you know that's us. But we're not going to get a Laker Laker game unless it's national. But obviously the Lakers are a really good team, so they're gonna get a lot of national games. Because why? They're a draw. The Lakers are a draw because of what? They have LeBron and Anthony Davis, and they have that lore. You're gonna see more Laker games, and you're gonna see and like I said, when Golden State was winning, you saw a lot of Golden State games on national television. You didn't see a lot of Phoenix games. You didn't see a lot of, of um Utah games. Because those teams just weren't as interesting. You know? So if I was a commission, I would implement some sort of stipulation to the whole load management situation. And, and hopefully, maybe that might put it under control from now. Because I'm sure for everything, there's always a loophole. People, people, live life, people live life to find loopholes in things that they can get away with. Everybody tries to find the fastest, the fastest way to do certain things. Everybody wants a shortcut, okay? So I'm sure at that point, teams will find a shortcut for that. But you always want to try to be ahead of the curve and find a stipulation that will help limit or kind of throw sand on the fire. You know, throw dirt on the fire. Calm it down, right? You'll never get rid of it. Calm it down. Okay, so switching gears now, and I want to talk about Carmelo Anthony. And... His hopeful impact on the Portland Bla- uh, Trailblazers. Last night around <laughs> around 840, 845, I was at home. I get a notification. Notification says breaking news. Carmelo Anthony signs to the Portland Trailblazers on a partially guaranteed deal or non-guaranteed deal. And I was like, wait, hold up. Let me read that. Let me try to really see what's going on here. So, it's true. After almost a year's hiatus, I think it's literally been a year. A year and a couple days. Carmelo Anthony is back in the NBA. And fans are rejoicing. People are happy. This is what, you know, a lot of the a lot of what the league wanted. Right? Um Carmelo Anthony is is a 20 plus point per game score in his career. 
he's a walking bucket, and I think he'll do just fine in Portland. When you look at the players that Portland has on their current roster, you can argue that Carmelo Anthony, <laughs> as long as he's in NBA game shape, and I don't think Carmelo Anthony is in NBA game shape. Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony works out and you know gets his shots up and plays with other players, but you can't you can't replicate the NBA pace. You just can't. That's that's you can't replace you can't replicate NBA pace unless you're playing in the NBA. So I think it'll take some time for Mel to get his legs under him to be at the place where I think he wants to be, where he knows that he can be successful. But on the flip side, it's like if Carmelo Anthony doesn't do good, or and if he's and if he's not the best teammate that he's ever been in his life, guess what? He's cut. And what's crazy is that the first game that Portland played, and I believe he, the first game he's going to come back and will be on Monday. And the crazy thing about that is guess who he's playing on Monday? Houston Rockets. Guess why that is so important? Because the Houston Rockets are the same team that did Carmelo Anthony dirty and cut him. Last year, Houston had a lot of, and they did it this year too, because Houston, Houston's always going to be a good team. Houston's always going to be a team that's going to finish in the, the top half of the NBA and the top half of the Western Conference. That's never in doubt. As long as they have James Harden, that's never in doubt. But they started off slow, and I think that Houston's a perennial slow-starting team. And they were injured last year. Chris Paul was injured. Clint Capella was hurt. Eric Gordon was hurt. And those are players that are key players for Houston. And Carmelo Anthony was the person that got cut. So why do you say? A lot of the rumors is that Carmelo Anthony was a scapegoat. That Carmelo Anthony was, you know, Carmelo Anthony was the person who, you know, slowed down their defense. Carmelo Anthony was inefficient on offense. Pretty much he was the reason why the team wasn't being successful early. And to my knowledge, this is, you know, just what Houston does. Houston allowed 155 points to one of the worst teams in the NBA and lost. That is not, you know, and you attribute that, like I said earlier, to the way that basketball is played now. It's not about how you get your shot and you want the best possible shot. And that's why Golden State was so successful because we always look for the best available shot. Now, teams are just want as much shots as possible. Make or miss, you want as much shots. So the fact that Carmelo was being blamed for these things, and, and again this year, the same thing happened in No Melo. You know, and that's why there's such a divide where it's like, okay, you guys talk about playing defense, but this is not the NBA where defense almost matters anymore. You know, you the best way to stop to stop a team from scoring now 
is just try to stay in front. Because they're going to get their shots up. So just trying to, trying to keep the ball in front of you is the best way that you can play defense now. Before, you can bully people. You can kind of push people around. But basketball is so geared to offense that defense almost doesn't really matter. Because you, you touch somebody, there's a foul. Right? That's just how it is. So I think that Carmelo can come in and average. Like I said, like I think it'll be a matter of time before he's starting again. And I think he can come in and average about 15 points a game. Obviously, in that 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 depends on his shape, his game shape, and how ready his body is to go through a, a full season. Because like I said, it's, it's early. We're about 10 games into the NBA season, so there's still a little 70 more games to go. All right, still 72 more games to go. So, you know, we got to think about how Carmelo's body is going to take the, you know, the, the, the length of the season. Can he keep up? Can he stay healthy? Things like that. So... You know, I'm 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 super happy for him. I think he's deserving of the opportunity. I think he was. I think he should have got cut last year. A lot of people blamed him as a cancer, as a as a team cancer. But I think Carmelo's gonna come in and be a good teammate. And I think that he'll finish the year out in Houston and have a uh, sorry, in not Houston, definitely not Houston. He'll finish the season out in Portland and have a pretty good season. And I think that they're gonna guarantee his deal. And I think that, you know, as long as Melo does what he's supposed to do, not skill-wise, but as a teammate-wise, the little things, like the on-the-bench activity, because there's going to be a lot of focus. As much as people are going to watch Melo on the court, is as much as they're going to watch him on the bench. You know, during during interviews, during meetings, that practice, you're going to hear a lot of things and a lot of people talk about how Carmelo is as a teammate, just as much as they talk about him, how he's going to be on the court. So, you know, that's, again, me to Carmelo Anthony. I'm, I'm happy that you're in the NBA. I hope you make the best of the opportunity. Because half the job was getting the opportunity. Because it was looking kind of bleak. I had, I had a few conversations with friends and, and other basketball people and just talking about, you know, does he really deserve to, to come back? And there's a few players that are out there that I think that still – contribute to a team whether they're playing overseas or they're just literally just not in the NBA but there's a few players that I would like to see come back for another year you know maybe maybe they do maybe they don't but Carmelo I, I hope that you take advantage of the opportunity because it's, it's a good story and I, I hope that you know it just works out because I don't think that you didn't deserve to be in the league in the first place or that you did not deserve to be in the league in the first place. As long as he's a good teammate, like I said, as long as he's a good teammate, he does the he does the right things and says the right things, he'll be just fine. What interests me is that what will happen next year. Because if he plays good this year, does he does he opt to stay in Portland because Portland's the team that gave him a chance? 
And the crazy thing about Portland is that they've been really lobbying to get Carmelo Anthony for a few years now. This is about the third time where Portland's tried to recruit Carmelo. So, you know, you just got to hope that it works out because if this doesn't work out, if it doesn't work out in Portland, it's not going to work out nowhere. And it's over for him. So this is literally his last chance. So, yeah. That's that. That's my opinion on Carmelo Anthony. Hope for the best. And I'm excited to watch him play, especially on Monday versus his old team. Okay. So now I'm going to switch gears a little bit and continue on talking about the Raptors' success. And... You know, their the latest ability that they have to sl- play slow, play fast, and play their brand of basketball. There really isn't a game that I've watched of the Raptors this, this year that I haven't seen them play their style of basketball. Injuries aside, and, and then, again, you want to wonder what the roles are going to be when players come back healthy. You know, there's some rumbles of do the Raptors trade. Last year, what really put the Raptors over the edge was the midseason trade they did for Gasol. You know, that was one of the, the bigger moves is that you got Gasol. So is there a package deal that you can try to make this year to have that same kind of splash? Do you think that there's a certain player that's out there that would fit into the Raptors system and maybe possibly propel them to be, you know, that much better of a team? You know, I wonder. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear from you guys. Mm 